IB Talk, the global insurance industry podcast presented by Insurance Business. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to IB Talk, the insurance industry's global podcast. And today we're going to put a spotlight on what is very much a global issue. Uh, Yes, in all of our markets from North America to Australasia to Asia Pacific to here in the UK, one problem seems to haunt the insurance sector, how to attract young talent. How many of us have been at a party or were meeting people for the first time? They ask what we do and we say almost apologetically, I'm in insurance. It can be a conversation killer. And even if you're ready to go to bat for the industry, you're ready to tell them how varied the career can be how great the opportunities are and all the different facets that insurance covers from cyber attacks to new technologies to terrorism to catastrophes, it's still a hard sell. Uh, So how do we sell it to young people, the next generation? Uh, Well, today we're going to ask not just any young person and not even just one who works in insurance, uh, but one who is making waves in the industry, having been named one of insurance businesses rising stars for 2021. Uh, She is an account handler for risk management partners, which is part of the Gallagher Group, uh, Yasmin Carter-Esdale. Yasmin, welcome to IB Talk. Hi, Paul. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, So, Yasmin, let's go back to the beginning, if we can. Tell us a little bit about how you got into the industry, because I believe that happened at the uh, the ripe old age of 17. Um, What attracted you to the sector, or was it simply a case of, I want a job and this is a job? You know, it's uh, probably that. (laughs) Probably uh, it's a case of when I was 17, I just finished my GCSE. So, I'd finished off my education, and it was a case of, well, well, what do I do now? Um, So I sort of knew that I wasn't going to continue my education at that point. Um, So I had to go down to the local recruitment agency and say, well, well, what can you do with me? Um, So I I do feel for them in some sort of way, you know, a 17-year-old girl clutching what was basically an empty CV. Um, You know, they spruced me up into shape, took me down to the local brokerage. And uh, I guess my extensive CV must have impressed them because I ended up getting a job as a a personal lines broker. And, And were you enthusiastic about that at the time? You know, a job was a job. Um, and I think for, for young people, they sometimes get swept up with the idea that the number one thing that they want is, is money coming in. It's your first paycheck. It's quite exciting. So just the thought of having money coming in was uh, yeah, a very exciting prospect for me. And, and what did you originally want to do with your career? <laughs> I think I had quite lofty ambitions of being something uh, along the lines of a lawyer crossed with a, with a vet. Um, obviously, that didn't come to fruition. And, and I did start off my career in insurance. Okay, well, animal law might still be waiting for you. Um, but what was it like being that young female walking into a brokerage? I'm assuming it was full of men in suits. Well, I think for anyone walking into an environment where you know they might not fit into the status quo, that there's always going to be a bit of apprehension. Um, so I think it's really the responsibility of the team leader and the company to make sure that the people that might not feel like they fit in do actually feel included and do feel like their voice is being heard. Um, you know, I, I did walk onto a sales floor and, and that's already a very, you know, bullshy and brash environment. Um, and I was one of only maybe four women and, and I was quite young at the time. So I did have to take on a lot of those mannerisms. Um, and that's where it's really important that the team leaders making someone feel included. So, so tell me, what, what did the team lead do to make you included? I, I, I know they said he then. I'm, I'm jumping to the conclusion that it was a he. Um, what, what, did, what did that person do to actually make you feel uh, included and settled? 
So one of the most important things is sort of just running through the job role and, and what it really entails. Um, and I think we need to put more emphasis on the fact that even though we might not have the same skill set as our peers, um, there are advantages to it. So I had a really great team leader at the time who helped highlight things in my personality that were going to be um, you know, good and advantageous on the sales floor that maybe some of my peers didn't have. Um, so that's why it's really important that you have a strong team leader. You help to make people feel included. And especially when the demographic of a team is maybe, you know, weighted in one direction more than the other, it's making sure you still all work together and it's all cohesive. And did you encounter any difficult, excuse me, any difficulties as well that are related to perhaps your, your, your age or your gender? Or, or did you feel like, you know, you could have been better supported in some areas during those times? You know, I've, uh, hmm, it's a difficult question because I've, I've never personally felt like I've been disadvantaged in some way by my characteristics. Um, but that's not to say, you know, other people haven't had different experiences. Um, so that's why it's so important that your company, your individual company is making you feel included and that you're working as part of a team. And I think that's something that we can really work on. And how long do you think it took you to actually sort of get over those kind of early nerves and difficulties and, and feel settled in the industry? So for me, I think because I'm quite a, a confident, extroverted person anyways, it was maybe a little bit easier for me. But once again, you know, going back to just because my experience was good doesn't mean everyone has the same experience. And, and maybe we need to look out a little bit more for people who are, you know, neurodivergent or a bit more introverted. And we need to ensure they're really getting the support that they need. Any ideas or, or tips as to what that sort of support looks like? So I think support is, a lot of it is, is to do with company uh, culture, right? So company culture is a big one um, in terms of how you're making people feel included and how you're supporting them. Um, a lot of it is just listening. Really and truly, it's just listening. You know, people are telling you how the, the team can be improved or how a company can be improved. It's about how you take that advice and how it's then implemented. So a lot of it is just listening and acting on, on what's being said to you. And, and you won't mind me saying as well that you have obviously a, a very clear British accent, but uh, your background is uh, you originally from, from Afghanistan. So um, how, how are you sort of perceived in the industry in, in terms of that sort of ethnicity, that ethnic background? And do you think that the, the insurance industry really is embracing people of different ethnicities? You know, I think historically, historically, obviously, we have in one way. So I think definitely we do have a lot of work to do in terms of improving the diversity of the profession. Um, and we can look at other sectors and we see how far they're down the pathway. And, and you know, there's a lot of work that we could still do. Um, I think a lot of it is, is first and foremost, building a really robust company culture because um, we need to be attractive to more diverse talent that might be thinking of joining our industry. So it's about building a really great company culture where people's voices are heard and dialogue, you know, doesn't just flow from the top down to the bottom. It really does flow throughout the organization both ways. Um, that's really the first thing that we can do, building a really great company culture that makes more diverse talent want to engage and want to join us. Um, and then I think it's really about making sure that they do feel supported as well and, and listening to their voices. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. But when you're talking about the sort of the culture that will make people feel like they're, they're comfortable, like they belong. What sort of things, what, what's different, um, you know, perhaps for, for a young Afghan woman, what, what's different for what she would be looking for, maybe compared to, you know, somebody like myself when, you know, if you turn back the clock 15, 20 years, um, when I'm coming into the industry. So what, what's the sort of the different things that you might be looking for to make you feel comfortable and at home? 
So something that's quite important for me is is seeing that I can, you know, seeing within a company or seeing within a profession that there are positive representations of myself. You know, I like to see people that not just look like me, but also have understanding of my culture because um, there are differences between cultures to cultures. And, and what makes uh, what builds a great company and makes their company culture great is having that diverse workforce and understanding how that diverse workforce uh, actually operates. So a lot of it is is understanding and having those positive representations. Um, and that's only going to happen by actually elevating our diverse workforce already and ensuring that they're actually able to move within a profession um, and actually reach all the way up to the top to exec level. Yeah, excellent stuff. And, and just reflecting back on your career, you've worked as a, as a broker now at a, at a few different firms and, and you're now a, an account handler uh, with risk management partners, as I said at the top. So talk to us a little bit about how your career has progressed to date and, and did you prefer being on the broking side or, or where you are now? You know, I, I really do think both roles complement one another. So, so obviously my, um, my background historically has been in broking roles um, and I've worked for eight years um, doing sort of producing, placing, exec sort of roles in mid-market construction and, and commercial sectors. Um, so a, a lot of that was sort of business that you could do on the back of a handshake. But I had no understanding on how a larger client operates. You know, I, I don't know how to, I didn't know how to bid for a tender or, you know, go through the various levels of procurement. So for me, it was a case of I was, I was really missing something in my professional repertoire. Um, so that's when I decided to move over to risk management partners as an account handler. Um, and that's been really awesome for me because it's allowed me to understand a more complex client and understand how to navigate these larger organizations. Um, so I've been doing that for the past two years. Uh, we predominantly work with public sector organizations like local authorities and police forces. Um, and it's really interesting stuff. I've learned a lot. And, and how do you see your career progressing from here? I guess eventually it would be nice to marry the two together, you know, the experience within broking um, and also now the experience within account handling. Um, but for now, I'm really focused on a couple of projects to start off the year. Um, and then it's a case of, yes, to focus on the rest of my career. All right. Excellent stuff. And, and you know, as going back to that diversity issue, I mean, in theory, you are, like you said, you're exactly what the insurance industry wants and needs more of a, a young, intelligent woman. Um but despite all of the diversity pushes that have been made in recent years, there, there does seem to be a, a lack of progress. So um, I'd love to just get your sort of overview on, on, on where the industry has perhaps gone wrong and, and where it can do better. So I know I've already mentioned a couple of times about company culture, but honestly, it's, it's probably the one of the most important things. To, to get diverse talent in, we have to show them that we're offering something good, you know? Um, so we need to show them that our companies have this great culture where they will actually listen to their views. And it's not going to be a case of, you know, it's our road or the highway. Um, it's our way or the highway, excuse me for the expression. So I think it's really important that we build really great company cultures that listen to diverse workforces, um, you know, experiences. They listen to what they're saying and they really want to engage with them. So I think that's the number one thing, really. And how, how can that be done? How can we um, sort of listen to those voices a little bit more? I mean, is it just simply a case of, you know, like you said, having that sort of higher representation, making it clear that, yes, there's opportunities for you to grow and for you to, you know, to, to sort of take those roles in, in, in your future? Or is it a case of, you know, actually sort of 
listening, reaching out to you um, almost from the start of your career? I mean, what what sort of um, plan, if you want, should these insurance firms be putting in place? Yes, of course, of course. So I think one of the important things is to recognize that obviously we do have diversity in our workforce already. And I think some of the best um, DNI initiatives that really work are the ones that engage with them and listen to their voices and implement what they want. Um, so I think it, companies really should be looking at who have we already got in our workforce? How can we help elevate them? What do you think the best way of engaging with more diverse talent out there is, is like? We should be asking the people who are affected how we can help them and how we can encourage them and what support they might need. Um, that's the number one thing, really. It's listening to their voices. And, and, and what about as a as a woman specifically? Is there anything you know in particular that you think the industry could be doing doing more of to to appeal to young women? For me, the most important thing or the big differentiator has been uh, having a mentor and having a more experienced voice to help guide me in in a profession that you know historically was was quite male dominated. So I think we really need to see more of that. We need to see people helping other people. Um, and really listening to their voices and, and helping them grow. And does that matter to you if the mentor is a man or a woman? Absolutely not. You know, these are more experienced voices that can help us and can encourage us on the journey. Um, I think it's important that experience is probably one of the most important things uh, in helping me grow. I, I need a more experienced voice to guide me, someone who's been through these things before. Um, for me, it's not so much important what their gender is or, you know, what their socioeconomic background is or, you know, what their ethnicity is. It's more a case of they're an experienced voice who have been in the market and they can help me understand how I can grow. Yeah, excellent. And uh, what do you think is is going to give us more um, sort of meaningful and a, a long term change? How can we drive up the numbers of women that are holding senior roles in, I guess, not just insurance but financial services in general? Oh, it's a million dollar question, Paul. You ask a million dollar question. Um, I think a lot of it is investing in them early. So when you uh, you actually see young talent coming in. Uh, it's investing in them early, it's retaining them within your business, uh, and it's helping them grow into the person that they can become. Um, so a lot of that is is early identification and investing in them. I've talked to quite a, a lot about the, sort of the, the diversity aspect, but I'm, I'm going to just zoom in now on the fact that you are, you are young. Um, so, uh, and I'd love to know, because I, I mentioned it in the introduction at the top, but do you find yourself at times, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're in, in sort of you know, parties and social situations and so on, where you're feeling almost a little bit embarrassed uh, to talk about being in insurance or that, it, that it's boring to sort of mention with your friends? I think we do have a bit of a, a reputational issue in that we're not really seen as this young and hip and sexy place to work. It's more a case of it's, it's old and outdated and fuddy-duddy. Um, but then I think a lot of it is we, we play into that, don't we? And we, we play down what we do. Oh, I work in insurance. You know, you don't want to hear anything about that. Why do we do that? It's almost like self-flagellation. Um, so I, I am guilty of it. I do play down what I do. And it's such a shame because we have this really exciting industry with all these opportunities and and we just don't talk about it, do we? Um, so I think a lot of it is, yes, we do have a reputational issue. Um, and that's why it's so important that we, we sort of get the message out there that <laughs> we're not this outdated, boring industry. We're actually quite exciting and dynamic. Exciting and dynamic, even though we use words like fuddy duddy. Um, and, and, and Yasmin, let's let's look at this from, from um, the perspective of, of young talent in general. I mean, 
how would you like to be uh, to be reached by the industry? I mean, you know, you said yourself when you started your career out that you know it was sort of a you went to, to that uh, career specialist. You you didn't really know necessarily what what you were going to be. Well, you wanted to be a, a lawyer slash vet, but you didn't really see yourself in insurance. So, what can be done to um, to sort of entice people into the industry to make it feel like it's a genuine career option? I mean, is this a case of reaching people on social media? media, um, sort of, you know, setting up talks in schools and universities, how, how can it be done? You know, it actually made me giggle a bit earlier when you referred to me as a young person, because I, I know I'm, I'm 28, I am a millennial, but I'm actually not the generation that are coming into the profession at the moment. That generation is a, is a whole different animal. We're talking about Gen Zs here. Um, so for, for me to understand what Gen Zs want, I mean, as part of the CII, we, we, I actually did a research project recently. Um, and we actually uh, reached out to a London market group initiative called London Insurance Life. Um, so these are young adults who are, you know, 18 to 21 years old. They're maybe just leaving school or they're in university um, and they're looking for a career in insurance. So a lot of the work that we did with the CII was reaching out to them and understanding what they want and what they need. Um, and it became very apparent that social media is this huge platform that's massively underutilized. We just don't use it in this profession like we should. Um, so I think a lot of it can be done over social media. We can reach out to people. We can promote our industry on social media. And then some of it also needs to be done with going to the source, you know, going to these schools and going to these universities and engaging with people. Um, we can almost sort of model it on what Google do, where they're quite aggressive with it, actually. They go to universities and they find the best of the best. They invest in them to do degrees in areas that they want them to, to you know, learn in, and then they bring them on board. We need to be doing a lot more of that. Yeah, that's, that's excellent advice, I think. And I, I'm also looking forward to that CII TikTok video soon. Um, it's also interesting to know, even though you're you're not that young, but you are significantly younger than me. So what, what incentives, Yasmin, are important to you? I mean, when you're looking at your career, I mean, is it a case of, okay, you know, Mr. Employer, you've got to give me, uh, you know, certain financial uh, incentives and, you know, I get holidays are important to me, etc. Or, or do you look for other things? I mean, very often we hear this sort of stereotype of almost it, that, that young people today, they, they care more about the environment and so on. And they care about, you know, companies being socially responsible. Does that really matter to you? Or is it about, you know, what the, the company puts in front of you in terms of your career path? That's actually a very interesting question. I mean, j just to go back to when I was 17, I told you I was so excited to just get a paycheck because I was like, oh my goodness, this is money coming in. That's exciting. Um, then when you're a couple of years into your career, you realize it's not just about the compensation and how much a company can pay you. It's about company culture again. How much are they going to listen to you and, and you know, include you? Um, and then some of it as well is, is learning and development. So are they going to invest in you? Do they think that you are worth it? Are they going to you know, give you the technical learning that you need and, and help elevate you? So for, for me, one of the most important things is, are they going to invest in me? Are they going to encourage my learning and my development? Um, compensation isn't the number one thing for me. It's not the be all and end all. It's more about how you're going to help me to grow. Okay. And, and, and so does that mean sort of having like a, a real career path in front of you, where, where a company is almost saying to you, okay, Yasmin, you know, after two years, you'll be here. After five years, you'll be here. Is it that sort of thing that you're looking for? 
For a lot of people, I think um, seeing a progression pathway in their career is important because people want to visualize where they could be in 5, 10, 15 years. Um, and I think those companies are going to be the real winners, the ones that can hold on to millennials, not just for two to three years, you know, but five, 10 years. Uh, those are going to be the real winners here. Yeah. And I, and I imagine probably for, for my next question that it, it might be a, a very, very similar answer. But what about keeping you? Because obviously you're, you're in the insurance industry now. And I'm sure, you know, there's, there's you know, obviously your current employer and, and, and other employees out there as well would be very, very keen to ensure that you, you stay within the sector as well. So how can we ensure that your head isn't turned by other industries that, you know, might offer perhaps, I don't know, bigger financial rewards and so on? I think my personal opinion on this is that uh, this is really going to be something the profession has to grapple with in the next five to 10 years. Uh, you have to think about how we're now moving into areas such as data analytics, you know, AI, automation. And we need to be conscious of the fact that there are obviously other players that want that sort of talent. Like I mentioned earlier, Google, for example. Um, and Google have all the backing behind them. They have big financial packages. And that's where, once again, we really need to focus on the culture of our workforce and the culture of our environment. Um, I think one of the best things about insurance is that we do offer quite a good work-life balance. That's one of our, our, our main pros here. So we really need to drive that in, and understand the people that want to stay within our profession. Yeah, excellent. I, I think you've given uh, people listening a, a lot of fantastic tips today. But uh, as active as, as your career is, um, Yasmin, uh, you may be even more active in your personal life as well. Tell us about your love of all things fitness related. <laughs> all things fitness related. I love that. Um, yes, definitely. I, I am someone who enjoys to move. I can put it as simply as that. I enjoy to move. I think a lot of us have, have been confined to one room over the pandemic, you know, eating, sleeping, working out of the same tiny little room. So for someone like me who has a lot of energy running around this one room like a hamster in a cage, it, it gets a bit too much sometimes. Um, so one way that I like to sort of de-stress and keep myself focused is by doing things fitness. So at the moment, it's it's a strength and conditioning program. But before that, it was running. Before that, it was yoga. It's just anything that allows me to get out and move my body automatically makes me feel good. Yeah, the phrase all things fitness related definitely comes from somebody who knows nothing about fitness. But tell us, give us a little bit of an insight into what your uh, routine looks like then. Because like you said, you know, you're at home now, you're a hamster in a cage. So, so what does your routine uh, look like on a daily basis? So my flavor of the month is definitely strength and conditioning. So it would be heavy compound movements like, you know, deadlifts, squats or push press, um, followed by something that sort of gets the heart pumping like sprints or rows or burpees. So that's my flavor of the month. But honestly, any sort of movement would make me very happy indeed. And you'd also um, love to do some quite niche things with this passion too. Um, can you share with us some of your dreams? So I think one thing that, that really surprised me sort of getting into fitness is the fact that there's a whole community built around it. Um, and I think that's something we can really draw from, you know, there's, they have events, they have run clubs, they have nutritional seminars, and it really does feel like a community. So I would love to see more of that in the insurance profession. There's been such a push on, uh, you know, mental well-being over the past 18 months during the pandemic and how fitness can, can sort of support that. So I'd love to see us engaging more with the fitness community and understanding how we can bring that in. So hopefully there is more to share with you soon. I do think that's something I'm going to try and drive forward over the next year. I have lots of plans and ideas. Now it's just sort of bringing them into, uh, into action. 
exciting times. And uh, if anybody wants to reach out to you on, on the back of, of this chat, Yasmin, whether that's, I don't know, to, to sort of um, get, get you involved, I don't know, perhaps in some sort of um, diversity or, um, you know, or in uh, promoting young careers, et cetera, in insurance, or, or maybe they just want to get some fitness tips from you, um, how can they get in touch? Uh, so my inbox is always open. You know, I'd love to hear from you all. Uh, my name is Yasmin carter and you can find me on LinkedIn. Brilliant. Uh, Yasmin, this has been great. Very, very glad to have had you on. Um, no doubt you're going to do amazing things with your career and absolutely sure uh, that we'll have you back here in the very near future to see how you're progressing. So thank you very much for joining us. Um, and to everybody listening, uh, we'll have more insights from the biggest and brightest names in the insurance sector next time here on IB Talk. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts.